So, if you didn't guess from the title of the message today, um, we're starting a new conversation, and it's going to be on stewardship. And I, I always spring these on people. I never tell them exactly when they're going to start. And I'm not going to tell you when it's going to end either, because then you won't know when it's safe to come back. Um, so, um, so uh, you know, stewardship is too often, too often stewardship is seen as as talking about giving money to the church. And while I think that that's um, compatible with the broad notion of stewardship, it's not really the essence of stewardship. So let me get that part out of the way very quickly. You can time me, okay? Here's why you give money to the church. You give money to the church so that you have um, uh, you have helped to pr- provide a place, a safe place, where people can find out that God doesn't hate them, God loves them. You give to the church so that there can be, so that they can be part of a community, an authentic community of people who are trying to put into place what they've heard um, that God has promised to them. And finally, you give to the church so that they can be part of something bigger than themselves. They can take part in opportunities to to share the good news about God's love in a tangible way with people who are the most vulnerable and helpless in society. So that's the reason we give money to the church. So. I hope that's pretty much what I say every week, um, but but that's really the, the the whole message about giving money to the church that I want to share with you. Instead, I'd like to spend my time talking to you about stewardship, because stewardship is so much more than giving money to the church. So, um, uh, the uh, uh, the idea of stewardship goes back all the way, literally, to the second page of, of your Bible. So we heard how the Lord God made the the land of of Eden, and he put a garden there, and he put the man in the garden to till and keep it. The idea here is that Adam did not make the garden himself, that God made the garden for him and then put Adam in there to till it. And that is the idea of stewardship. It is the idea that the things we have, everything that, that we have is a portfolio that we manage for God. That the, the money we have, the possessions we have, the, the skills we've got, the video games we've got, the, um, the relationships we've got, the influence that we have with other people. Everything we have is a trust that God has given us so that we can use it as God's managers. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you, I don't really like that idea, and, and there's, there's two reasons. The first one is just kind of normal human pride. I like to think that the troubles I have in my life come from outside me. That it's not that I caused them, it's that you caused them, or the people down the street caused them, or my wife caused them, or, or basically the problems come from outside. But the success comes from inside. The success in my life comes from my many, many virtues. And I think that that's pretty normal pride. And we, we, we feel that way, but if you really push us, we know it's not true, that there's a mix of both in both cases. So uh, that's, that's the, the kind of the shallow reason I don't like the idea of stewardship. But there's a deeper reason I don't like stewardship, and that's that I don't want the responsibility. You know, and neither do you. Let, let, let me prove that. I'm going on vacation. Will you take care of my fish? No, no one wants to do that. I mean, you do it, you know, but you'll sigh and you'll say, oh, I don't want the responsibility. His fish is going to die and then he's going to blame me. So we don't like extra responsibility. 
It's one thing if I lose $100. I get swindled or I just blew it on the wrong thing or whatever. Um, it's one thing if I lose my own money. But the thought that it's God's money and that somehow I'm responsible for it, the same way I'm responsible for a goldfish that I let die, uh, we just don't like the idea of the extra responsibility. We don't like the idea that there's a that there's an audit coming down the down the road at us someday, and we'll be responsible for what we did with the things that God has entrusted to us. But that is nevertheless what the scriptures tell us. They tell us that we are born naked into this world, and naked we leave, and everything we have in the meantime is something that God has either given it to us outright, you know, our our intellectual gifts or our our work ethic or whatever, or it's something that God has put in our path for us to leverage. So that's what the scriptures tell us. And we may not like it. We may not like it because we're prideful. We may not like it because um, we just don't want the responsibility. But either way, that's what the scriptures tell us. However, the scriptures also tell us how to do it well. So we're not just trying to guess, how do I keep this fish alive? How do I take care of the things that God has given me. So what I want to do is I want to look at this parable um, in today's message, um, and uh, we'll uh, look at one of one of the the most problematic parables that Jesus teaches in the whole um, uh, New Testament. So uh, uh, we're reading from chapter 16, and um, I want to I want to reassure you first of all that that you're not in this parable. Okay, sometimes you know you look at the parable and try and figure out. Who am I? And I don't really like it if it's if I'm that one right there. So uh, you're not in this parable. Neither am I. Nobody in this room is in the parable. Jesus is talking to his disciples, but the disciples are the audience. They're not the members. Uh, they, they don't play a role in this parable. So that's a good thing because the very first thing Jesus says is there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that the man was squandering his property. So if we're going to be anybody in this, probably our minds go to the man the the steward and we say well i don't know if i like that i don't feel like i'm squandering and so forth so so just relax take a deep breath you're not the man you're not the guy who's been squandering property but there is a man in this parable who has been squandering his master's property it may be helpful by the way just if you get a chance you might want to read all of chapter 15 and all of chapter 16 because you might get some better idea of what jesus means when he says squandering by looking at chapter 15. So, and then how this fits into the overall story of what all Jesus is teaching. So, but, but the manager says, so I've heard this, and he summons him and says, what, what is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager anymore. And the manager says to himself, um, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig. Now this doesn't mean he's disabled. This means he doesn't want to be a farmer. Okay, it's not digging in the sense of piling up great heaps of dirt in a day before they had earth-moving equipment. This means I just don't want to use a hoe and a shovel the way people do to make a living. He says, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. So what shall I do? He says, I'm dis- I've decided what to do so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So then he does this thing. He, he summons his debtors, uh, the master's debtors, one by one, and then he gives them these staggering discounts, real crazy Eddie. Um, these prices are insane kind of discounts. He says to the first one, how much do you owe? And he says, a hundred uh, jugs of olive oil. And he says to him, take your bill, sit down very quickly, scratch it out, start over, and let's make it 50. 
And then he says to the next one, he says, how much do you owe? A hundred containers of wheat. And he says to him, well, take your bill and make it 80. And his master, Jesus says, commended the dishonest manager because he'd acted shrewdly. Now, a lot of people struggle with this. Um, if you, if you've got a study Bible, read the footnotes here because they're gonna, they're gonna spend a lot of ink trying to explain this away. They're gonna try and say somehow, maybe what the, what the manager was really doing was, uh, built into those prices was some kind of a, of a commission. And he is simply waiving his commission on the deal so that, so that he can, he can make people feel happy. He's done them a service and they'll do him a service. So you'll see footnotes like that. You'll see footnotes that say, in those days, and this, this part is true, in those days you weren't allowed to charge interest. So because there, there wasn't interest, the way people would incentivize you to give them something on, on a loan would be to just pay more than the actual price. And so what he's doing is maybe he's, he's waiving that hidden buried interest fee in the, in the charge. Maybe. Maybe. But I don't think so because Jesus says he's a dishonest manager. I think Jesus is simply saying he swindled his boss as kind of a last, as a last act of, of, you know, bye bye, I'm out of here. Um, he, he swindled his boss. And I think that's what Jesus is saying happens in the parable. Now, the problem is, should we do that? Is Jesus telling us to do that? Well, no. Remember, I told you, you're not in this parable. Jesus is not telling you that you, this is a good behavior for you to do. What Jesus actually says is he says, the children of this age, the people who are part of the world that we live in, everybody you see are shrewd, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. Jesus is saying the problem with this parable is you aren't in it. You don't act like this. He says the problem with the children of light is they don't act as honest people, the way dishonest people act in a world full of dishonesty. Jesus says, here's the problem. Not that you should start swindling people, but you should seize opportunities to leverage the things you've got in order to give God money. Well, actually, he doesn't say that last part. That's what a preacher adds. Okay, A preacher says to give God money, but that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, seize the opportunity to leverage the assets you've been entrusted with to make friends for yourself. Isn't that interesting? You know, so often we hear stewardship messages about give money to the church. Jesus says what he would like the children of light to do is to take the assets that God has given them, the house money, to take those assets, seize opportunities to use them in a way that gives them friends, that converts debtors into friends. So why? Why, why? why does he even tell us to do that? I don't know. I mean, looking at the rest of Scripture, I think the answer is that, is that that's what God is like. And the best way you can honor the God who gave you the, the, the materials, the, the possessions that you're leveraging, is to do with them what God would do. So make friends. God is in the business of trying to make friends. God is trying to make us friends again when we have been his enemies. So I think God wants us to become friends and he wants us to act like he does. But maybe there's another reason. We talked in the past couple of weeks about how, how, um, uh, 
the, the, the good news about the resurrection is not that you get to go to heaven when you die, but it includes the idea that you get to go to heaven when you die. And I think Jesus is saying, when you get there, you want to have friends. You know, you don't want to get to heaven and go, oh, these people. Jesus wants you to get to heaven and say, oh, good. You know, I haven't seen Billy Bob or I haven't seen Janie Sue for a long time. This is so wonderful. Jesus wants us to be friendly people. Jesus wants us to have friends. So he says, leverage the opportunity, leverage the things you've got. Seize the opportunities you have to leverage the things you've got. Not to give God money. God's got all the money he needs. But to make friends for yourself. So, that's what I think Jesus is saying. I'm saying he's not, I don't think he's saying swindle people. He's not saying cheat people. But he's saying, in the same way that a dishonest manager is dishonest, seizes the opportunity, this is a chance, this is an angle I can work. Jesus says, do the same thing. Seize that opportunity. Leverage what's been given to you and make friends. So how do you do that? Is there is there a mnemonic you can do? You know, I, I don't know how you can do it. Sit down next to me with your, you know, your books and your assets and so I don't know. You know, there's people here who actually understand those things. I'm not I'm not one. I mean, if you talk to me personally, what should I do in this area? I can talk to you. But I don't know the answer. I, I would give you one rule of thumb. You know, take that take that first sentence from from Genesis where it says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to till and keep it and replace the man with your name and replace the garden with whatever your garden really is. So you could say the Lord God took Luke and put him in Jewel Lake Parish to till and keep it. Or the Lord God took Luke and put him in a relationship with Margot so he could be a husband. The Lord God took Luke and put him in a relationship as a parent to Iris and Neil so he could be a father. The Lord God took me in my previous career and put me in these technology companies so I could till and keep my little job. So maybe that's a helpful thought. When you go to work, when you go to school, say to yourself, the Lord God put me in these circumstances so I can leverage what's been given to me in a way to make friends. I told you that that stewardship is not what it is often seen to be, which is about raising money for the church. I do think it's compatible with the church. But before the church asks you to give money to the church, to, to support the things I mentioned earlier, I think this is the question the church, we collectively as the church, have to ask ourselves, what are the resources we've been given? What garden has God put us in? And how does God want us to till and keep it? Are we seizing the opportunities that God has put in front of us as a congregation to leverage the assets that God has given us in a way that makes friends? Because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do it as a church. We're not just drift along hoping things will turn out right, but to seize opportunities, leverage the things God's given us. Whether we're a church trying to think how to do that together or as individuals doing it in our own little gardens. Seize those opportunities. Leverage those assets. Make friends. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that, that you are a God who has equipped us um, with, with a whole portfolio of, of skills and assets, relationships, influence, education, wisdom, maturity. You've given us so many things, Lord, and we give you thanks that you have reminded us through the parable of how we can use them not to give something back to you because you are a giver of gifts, but so that we can give them ourselves. We can give generously as if it was our own money in order to make friends. Lord, we pray you'd give us the the courage to follow through. You'd give us eyesight that we could see those opportunities and you give us a clear idea of what our assets are so that we can be about the purpose you've assigned us. We pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen.